This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Eric Rosenberg from Personal Profitability, and when I'm not busy hustling my tuchus off, I am stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to the happiest basement on this side of the Texas-Arkansas border. And we're super happy today because here to help you create quantum success with your work, life, and money, we welcome Christy Whitman. Plus, in our headline segment, is boring an underrated strategy for investing? One popular writer thinks so. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline, dig into our mailbag, and answer a letter from you, and still have time for some of my deliciously flavored trivia. And now, two guys who have one foot out the door and are ready to meet you in Orlando, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I'm so excited. My bags are packed. Are you wearing the tuxedo? <laughs> I, I do not have my tuxedo yet. I kind of feel like we should arrive in either the Dumb and Dumber tuxedos, the orange and the, like, the pale blue ones with the big top hats and the canes, or you and I will be more like Step Brothers, the interview <laughs> where they're both wearing like, the black tie the tuxedos, <laughs> and they're both doing the interview at the same time. I might take that under advisement, but might show up in something different. Call me crazy. I don't know. Okay. All right. But we are super excited. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're going to be at The Improv in Orlando, Florida tomorrow. Tickets, for some reason, still on sale. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash tour to get those. Actually, tickets, this is a bigger venue than I thought that we could possibly fill. And the number of people we already have coming is amazing and far more than either the establishment or we thought were coming. But is it greater than two? Because I was expecting it is like the, Richie and Doug in the background, like, <laughs> woo, go like get hollering. Them, guys. Ah! And then like they'd move throughout the event. <laughs> right. So though it sounded like they're coming from different areas of the. We're, uh, we're going to hire people off the street, put them in the first couple rows. So the video looks like we have fans. Yes. But if you notice them flashing the money that we, the, the Wendy's coupons we gave them for coming in, 
probably. You yeah. want to ignore that part. But uh, tickets on sale now, stackybenjamins.com forward slash tour for more on that. And also, if you're in Kansas City two weeks from tomorrow, we're visiting you. And then four weeks and one day from tomorrow, we're on Wednesday, the 24th of October, we will be in Detroit, Michigan. Tickets also available for that. So excited about this event tomorrow night. But I'm also excited about today's show because we got Christy Whitman here, one of my favorite coaches of all time. This woman understands business. She understands life. Did you see the piece recently with Warren Buffett saying what the key to life is? You would think that he would have said something like, you know, more money. A billion dollars. <laughs> right. Ring the bell just again before you pass away. He didn't say... <laughs> He said, and this is going to sound just Cherry coat. incredibly metaphysical, he said it's love. He said, you know, you can buy all these other things, you can't buy love. And Christy Whitman knows the intersection of business, money, love. We're talking to her today about uh, quantum success. Can't wait for that. But first, we have to thank Emperor Investments for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Investing can be complicated. By the way, speaking of Warren Buffett, Emperor Investments with a very Buffett-ish approach and if you look at historically how Emperor Investments has done, very Buffett-ish returns historically also. Investing can be complicated and selecting the right equities can be daunting for even the most sophisticated investors. That's why Emperor Investments, a new robo-investing platform offering Stacky Benjamin's listeners personalized all equity portfolios free for six months to take advantage of this exclusive offer Visit emperorinvestments.com forward slash SB and select Stacking Benjamins podcast under the How Did You Hear About Emperor during sign up. That's emperorinvestments.com forward slash SB and then select Stacking Benjamins podcast. Also, thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Stacking Benjamins. I'm on LinkedIn more, more and more. I just realized 2018 I was on LinkedIn more than I've ever been on LinkedIn. I finally crossed that vanity mark where it says 500 plus. Oh, yeah. My entire life, I've been trying to get to 500 plus. I'm, I'm over 500. Now mine says 500 plus. Congratulations. I'm, I feel so proud. Here's yeah. the Marich cross card table. It's, gonna, it's, on, on, my, uh, Good job. it's on my tombstone. <laughs> Finally hit 500 plus on LinkedIn. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? And 75 Twitter followers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on your tombstone. LinkedIn jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. For $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash SB. That's linkedin.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. I uh, love the difference between how LinkedIn does this and how other places do it. And we'll get into that later in the show. But right now we've got some headlines. We got Christy Whitman today. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance, and it's written by my good friend, Miranda Marquit. And I thought I'd run this one by you, OG. Why I love being a boring investor. You know, we talked all last week about the exciting pieces of investing, right? How you want to skip steps one through five because they're boring and get to those exciting, sexy steps. And we often think of investing as the sexy, fun piece. Miranda goes directly against that with this piece. She says, I'm super vanilla when it comes to my money, but especially so when it comes to investing. Just talking about investments is supposed to be exciting, but the way I do it, investing in index funds is, well, not. 
No, I'll probably never score a big win with a smart stock pick, and it's very unlikely I'll beat the market, but that doesn't mean I'm ineffective. In fact, I'm more likely to reach my long-term goals for building wealth, and that's why I love being a boarding investor. The market as a whole might have bad days, years, and even decades, but over a 25-year period of time, the market as a whole hasn't lost out. So if you have a long time frame, say for retirement, indexing can help you build wealth without the worry that a bad stock pick could end all your hopes and dreams. Because I'm boring, I take a conservative approach to my long-term indexing. I used an online investment calculator to estimate how much I'd need to contribute each month for 40 years, assuming a 7% annualized return, and that's how much I put into my retirement account each month. So far, I'm on track to reach my goals, and even when a market event like the crash following the financial crisis of 2008 comes along, I stick to the plan, eventually seeing a recovery and watching my balance grow. And she goes on from there. The exciting part, it sounds like for Miranda, is figuring out what the goal is. And then working backwards to how do I reach that goal and then deciding on her strategy, which for her ends up being, you know what, that type of a goal, OG, I don't need sexy stock picks. I don't need to know the latest, super exciting, super, you know, into the weeds investment strategy. There's some straightforward ways I can get there. But that stuff is so much more fun. The goal setting, you mean? No, the in the weeds reading 10Ks and... Calculating dividend payout ratios and all that sort of stuff. I do think it's fun, but I also think that, so I look at the sandbox part of my portfolio where I do that type of stuff, the time and energy spent to get the return that I've received there versus the time and return spent on the hull of my ship, which is much more like what Miranda's talking about here. Incredibly not worth it. Huge waste of time. I think it's fun as heck, but just, you know, I might as well burn that time. Well, the biggest thing is ultimately your behavior. And the the one piece out of that that I totally love is the fact that she said, during the ups and downs of the market, I just keep on letting it go. The interesting thing, of course, is that in aggregate, most investors don't do that. When we look at aggregate inflows and outflows of where the masses are putting their money in terms of stocks or bonds or U.S. versus international or whatever, it's very, very short-term related. You can see as recently as August when the market had about a week and a half of some kind of U.S. market had some kind of blah returns there for a little while. Almost all the money for the next week went into bonds. (laughs) And you can look at earlier this year, kind of that late January, February time period where the market went down about 10% in a quick three or four weeks. The subsequent weeks, almost all the money went into fixed income at that point in time. So in aggregate, people are doing this incorrectly. You know, they're using passive investment vehicles, boring investment vehicles like index funds, but trading them actively, (laughs) which defeats the purpose. Not letting them do their own thing. Yeah. Regardless of the tool you use, whether it's index funds or stocks or whatever, the biggest thing is your own behavior. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really, really, really matters. Well, here's another line from this piece that I really like. I may never beat the market. But that doesn't make me ineffective. Oh, gosh. That's really great. Because what is the comparison tool that most people use as to whether or not they're being successful? The S&P 500. It's it's comparing themselves to that. Or, worse yet, comparing themselves to some made-up number that their friends say at the lunch break table or something. You know, like, oh, I bought a Cisco stock. It was 92 cents a share, and now it's $95 million, and I'm a gazillionaire. It's like, oh, okay. So why are you still working for uh, 13 bucks an hour here uh, digging ditches, Jack? If you took about 100,000 shares of 
you know, insert company here at 42 cents, Mr. Smarty Pants, and now it's worth 42 million. Oh, that's right, because you're a liar. And nobody actually did that. I just don't understand why we continually compare our own success measure with the S&P 500. Well, this is no different than comparing your own success measure outside of markets to your neighbors also, right. by the way. Right? Good point. I mean, it totally is like, well, the Johnsons have a nice new fence. Maybe I should have a nice new fence. What's up? You know, uh, how, do, how do they afford a new Tahoe? That's ridiculous. I should, you know, we got to get rid of our beater minivan and get a new Infiniti QX80. So some people know what we're talking about, but there's a portion of our audience right now, OG, going, what are you talking about? Well, if I'm not comparing myself to the S&P 500, what should I be comparing myself to? Let's talk about that for a minute, because this, everybody, this is where the bread gets buttered. Mm, butter. <laughs> Sidebar. We went to a nice dinner the other night, Mrs. OG and I. We had one night off, so much travel and stuff going on. And so uh, we went out for dinner, and she says, oh, gosh, I just, I just love this restaurant. They have such great butter. And it's really good. And I said, well, you know, they may, maybe they make it on their own or they, you know, source it locally and it's real fresh or something. And so my wife says to the server, gosh, I just, this butter is amazing. And she says, yeah, you want to know the secret? <laughs> and, and Mrs. OG says, yeah, yeah, what's the secret? She goes, it's Land of Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> Uns, unsalted, we add our own salt. Oh, and so that's what they do. They sprinkle a little sea salt on top of it, you know, or some kind of fancy salt, and that—that's what Land makes it look anyway. So where your bread gets buttered, I—I I, I thought about was that just mm. loaf of bread they gave us at the restaurant the well, other night. What should our benchmark be if it's not the S and P five hundred? Oh, Why are yeah, you yeah, and I great. making fun of that? Because the only thing that matters is your goals. When you sit down and figure out, here's where I want to be. Here's what I have today. Here's what I'm contributing. You solve for required rate of return. Everybody solves for how much do I have to save? Well, guess what? You can just make that number up. Well, it says I need to save 3000 a month. Well, if you only make 2000 a month, that 3000 number is baloney. But if you're already saving $200 a month or $500, you put that and solve for required rate of return. Now you're in charge of telling your money what to do and say, it says, okay, I need to get 8.5% over the next 30 years of my life. What collection of stocks and bonds and US and big and small and that sort of stuff is put together to give me the highest likelihood of that eight and a half. That's the number that matters. Not did the S&P go up 12 and I only went up eight. I mean, your goals, your portfolio, your plan. Stop looking at the S&P. And people will say, well, but I'd rather have more. And just going for more is where I always saw people make mistakes. And I also see people get burned um, because of the fact that what does more mean? What is What, 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 what is more equal? And if you want more, you have to change your goal. It ends up though being quantify it. It ends up though, but yeah, and it ends up becoming a betting mentality. And when stocks start equaling betting, that's when things go rough. What I mean by that is if you say, well, I think eight and a half is a week, I should be getting 10. Don't say, I'm going to try to get 10. Say, I'm going to retire at 50 instead of 55. That means my portfolio has to grow at 10 to make up those five-year differences or whatever, sure. because now you're tying it back to the goal and not necessarily to the day-to-day -day fluctuations of something that you can't control. I'll link to Miranda's piece. It's funny. I've what known Miranda forever. I think this is the first time we've linked to a piece, and she writes all over the place. Nice job on that one, Miranda. Uh, and by the way, thanks to Alan. 
because I didn't even notice Miranda's piece. Ellen in the basement noticed Miranda's piece and commented on it in the basement. So thanks to Ellen for bringing that to mm. our attention. boy. Our next piece comes to us from somewhere we also don't usually pull pieces from. This is from CNN Technology and is written by Jackie Waddles. I found this really interesting as a money geek. Listen to this. Nerd. Well, listen to this. Why on earth would a company offer insurance for space travel? Like you think about insurance, like why, why would somebody ever go, oh yeah, you're blasting a rocket into a place where there's no atmosphere? Let me insure that. That would be great. I found this a neat way to look at insurance. Listen to this. Drivers need insurance before they get on the road and space companies need it before they hurl metal projectiles into the sky. Offering insurance for space flight might seem like an insane business decision. The pool of customers is tiny and the risk is, well, astronomical. But um bum The industry collected... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's here all week. The industry collected $715 million in premiums and paid out $636 million in claims last year, according to an industry expert. That's a slim profit, but margins are known to blow or thin from year to year. Having a small pool of customers means dealing with volatility. Yet it remains a consistently profitable business. A small group of insurance underwriters around the world have racked up expertise that helps the space industry assess risk and write policies. But a new era of spaceflight is ushering in drastic changes. Private companies are driving down the cost of launch vehicles and satellites, making space travel more common. Insurance for the space industry comes in various forms, including insurance that covers hardware during transportation before launch, insurance that covers launch, and insurance that covers satellites when they're in orbit. Space is huge. Collisions are rare, but the more stuff that's put in orbit, the higher the probability of a crash. And the risk doesn't just involve objects that are dead in orbit. It involves potential collisions between active satellites as well. And it goes through collision risk and changing risk. And then the fact that now they're using algorithms more and more to look at these risks. Let's talk about this for a second. I want to back this down from space companies. So nobody wants to insure, or very few companies, OG, want to insure these space companies because... There's not that many people involved. There's low numbers involved, meaning if insurance companies just looked at you as an individual, or when you talk about insuring your own risk, the chance of something happening to you is very difficult for you to predict. And that's why insurance is a good deal for you, because you being able to predict whether something bad happens to you or not, very difficult. But when an insurance company can apply the law of large numbers it can become much less expensive for you and for them to say, well, if something goes wrong, I got this Band-Aid that I apply. It's the law of large numbers. And now machines are helping them get around it in this area. I just find that fascinating. I'm going to take it a step further. The thing that popped in my head here wasn't about the insurance, well, kind of, was about the jobs that haven't been created yet to figure this stuff out. You know, I mean, think about like the actuaries who are really good at predicting heart attacks and early deaths by, you know, whatever. Right. And that's their bread and butter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yep. But now there's new sorts of things coming online, literally and figuratively, of these risk pools that weren't even possibly thought of five or 10 years ago. And, And so there's a whole new crop of stuff. And I was thinking... Not just the insurance, but all the 
transportation, like you said, of how do we get stuff from these manufacturers to launch sites. And now you have to create launch sites and you have to have people who are smart enough to figure out when you should launch things, you know, because there's all this debris in the sky and, you know, all this other sort of stuff. And, you know, just this whole new industry that's almost seemingly being created out of thin air. Well, <laughs> he's still got it. There's this, there is shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. There is this whole counterpoint to machines are taking our jobs. Yes, they are. But there is a whole counterpoint here of man. Oh, we there's keep on doing the higher level stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's new stuff. Depends on the depends on the type of job. I wish I would have thought about insuring SpaceX. Man, I could use I could I could have used to make 150 million last year. Well, and think about this with insurance too. They said they collected 750 million in premiums and paid out 636 million in claims last year. But then the next thing that Jackie writes is that is. A slim profit. Uh, I I don't think it is. Six hundred thirty-six. Well, look at Berkshire Hathaway. You know the vast majority of their profit. Well, now you know they make a ton of money just on the interest of their insurance float. Basically, how much they collect versus how much they have to pay out. <laughs> There's very very few insurance companies that go out of business. Yeah, the seven hundred and fifteen million dollars they get to invest. And then on top of that, they only pay out $635 million in claims. That's where the actuaries come in to make sure they don't have to pay a lot more claims out. Yep. And so when you look at the difference in those two numbers, what, what do we got? I'm looking at... $150 million. I'm looking at $79 million, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. said $150 Well, $715 million, $636 million, yeah. Oh, I thought you said $750. No, I'm sorry. It's $715, yeah. Ah, okay. So I'm not a dummy with math then. All right. No. Either way pocket change to a guy like you, I know, but, but I could stand to use 70 or $80 million. I just need to, I need to start a space insurance company for one year. But what, what are you doing next year? You want to do that? But that's like a 12 or 13% profit margin, right? That's what I'm saying, brother. Just off like, the top of my I only head. need, I only need one year of making 80 million to be like, make, make it work. It's, it's like, be- we can go out of business the year after. Yeah. Good stuff. And I think though, a good lesson here for the average person is when it comes to insurance, the reason you have insurance in the first place is because looking at that law of large numbers, and even though these companies are working in an area where there's not large numbers, insurance helps you control those risks ahead of time and actually looking at that risk ahead of time. And second, one risk is from our first piece that you're comparing yourself to the wrong benchmark. Start off with the right goal. And I think you're going to do a much better job and make much fewer mistakes. Being boring It turns out, OG, ain't all bad. I'm so excited to introduce you to one of the most inspirational people I know. Christy Whitman is somebody who believes in creating relationships built on trust in every area. She is a two-time New York Times bestselling author, the creator of a library of personal development programs and the founder of an internationally acclaimed coaching academy. She reaches over 200,000 people every month. Her job, and I put that in quotes, is to transform the quality of people's lives by teaching them the tools to manifest what they want for themselves. And when I heard that Christy had a new book coming out called 
Quantum Success, Seven Essential Laws for a Thriving, Joyful, and Prosperous Relationship with Work and Money. For a podcast that's all about work and money, OG, she's exactly who we had to talk to. And I can't wait for us to talk to her today. All right, let's bring her down. Let's say hello. Christy Whitman coming down to the basement. And coming down the stairs, Christy Whitman, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Joe. How are you? <laughs> well, I, I'm great. I'm happy to be here with you. I am fantastic. It's always great on a book tour when you're walking down to a basement. You're like, my career has reached its pinnacle, I'm sure. <laughs> what have I become? No, I'm right. kidding. <laughs> exactly. The bar is high, Christy. The bar is high. <laughs> this isn't what I visualized. <laughs> right, 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 right. Where, where you were going to be. No, that's good. Hey, I want to I want to start off with you because a lot of people, you know, know who you are. They know a lot about the stuff that you talk about. They've read your books before, but they might not realize that, you know, we often put people on a pedestal, as you know, but you had a lot of the same problems. A lot of our listeners right now might have. You had credit card debt. You had issues. Can you can you kind of paint us a picture of where you were before your journey really took off? Yeah, that just cracks me up that you say so many people know me because I literally live in my house with my husband, my kids, and I have an internet business and I get to do what I love over the internet. And, you know, so when I go out and someone knows me, I'm like, how do you know me? <laughs> it's just very funny. So yeah, my, I was just seeped in lack and everything I created in my life, or everything I had in my life was just drama. And didn't feel good. And it was never enough. And, you know, I would choose the wrong kind of guys to date. You know, if I had money, I'd spend it as quick as I got it. If relationships weren't working, I mean, nothing, you know, I was constantly fighting with my weight, never happy with the way my body looked. I mean, nothing went well How until did, I found this information. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. What was the, because like for me, I kind of remember where I was when I said, you know, my life's got to change. If something's got to change. Do you know exactly where you were, like what the turning point was? There were many of those moments, but I remember I lived in Chicago and had everything that quote unquote, they said would make me happy. I, my, you know, my body was like in great health. It was probably one of the best times in my life where I felt good in my body you know, I was living with my best friend in like this brownstone in Chicago, greatest, one of the greatest cities. You know, I just gotten out of a relationship, but it was, it was good. I had my freedom. I had my friends. I was enjoying the city. I had a great job making great money, no debt. You know, I had everything. And I was like, I'm not happy. I feel so empty. I wasn't happy in the relationship. I'm not happy, you know. So I started looking for something deeper. And I remember going back to a beautiful Catholic church because I was raised Catholic because I was feeling very empty inside. And I thought, well, maybe the church will do it. And unfortunately for me, it didn't do it. It made me more depressed. And, and it's like, there's got to be more to this thing called life than just collecting things and making accomplishments. And that search, that hunger, that that thirst just led me on a path of, of learning about meditation. And I met a meditation teacher that said, your thoughts create your reality. And when she said that, I'm like, that's true. I don't know how I know that's true, but that's true. And that moment for me changed everything because that's the moment I started paying attention to myself. You talk about a lot. You talk about a lot in the book, this idea of a vibration of a currency, or there's another word that you use. It's a frequency, right? Yes. Uh, talk to me about that analogy. Cause this is so, it's such a powerfully vivid and, um, and, and I don't know, such a great picture of what we're kind of searching for. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, the way I like to think about it is when we're attuned to something like, you know, when you think of radio or TV or, you know, those things, we've, most of us have lived our lives growing up with beliefs and thought processes, processes, (laughs) thought process and thoughts about a certain aspect of life. Let's just call it money. For example, money's hard to get, or those people that have money are greedy or, you know, whatever the programming was from our mom and our dad. That's just one channel on the the money channel. That's a reality that we tune into vibrationally every single day. And what happens is that then creates the reality because our thoughts are vibration, just like our emotions, just like our beliefs, our perspectives, what we say, what we think, what we do, all of those carry a vibration. And when you're on that same frequency of that channel of uh, money sucks, I can't you know, make enough, I don't have enough, I never have enough to pay the bills, whatever that lack station is with money, we can attune to a different station and start looking for the station that makes us feel good with money or in our relationships or our weight. But it's up to us to fine tune the thoughts that we think about the certain, the relationship that we have inside with ourselves about the thing. So if we're thinking inside of ourselves in the quiet of our own mind, thoughts about money that are negative, we're going to have a negative relationship with money. I, it, and I love this idea that it's more about you than about the outside world later in the bank, I, later in the book. And I love this quote, you say, in order to maintain the high flying frequency you've chosen, you will probably have to become a little less interested in what other people are doing and a whole lot less interested in what they're saying or thinking about you, which I think, Christy, is where a lot of us spend most of our time. Yeah, that's it. We're, we, we're so worried about everything else. We are raised, most of us were raised that it's outside in thinking. And, and just to look at our childhood, you know, like we're all, we have to make the big people happy. So let me make sure mom and dad are happy. Let me, oh, they, they laugh when I do that and they cry when I do that. Or, you know, they, they're watching us as a child so that you were imprinted from a very young age. And that just leads us into people pleasing and making the big people happy and, you know, doing what we do. And there's life experiences where we're taken away from our own creative power and we learn these things. It could be a habit of comparing ourselves with others. It could be a habit of just being worried all the time. These are patterns of thought and belief and being angry all the time, having a set point of anger. Those things attract. We need to be able to shift those things in order to attract something different to our lives. If you're not comparing yourself with others or with external forces, where do you find your guidepost then? That's the thing is that you can, when we compare ourselves like, oh, he's bigger, he's taller than I am. Then there's someone that's, if it's a judgment of there's a better or worse, you know, like I can look at my two boys and go, he's a little bit taller and leaner. He's shorter and stockier. I don't make a comparison like that's good. That's bad. Obviously we need to be able to look at things and say, Oh yeah, she's taller. He's shorter. But it's when there's a judgment that means I'm better. It's like a power over or power under. We have a really off-centered programming about what power really means. It's so hard. It's so hard not to put judgment into any of those things. Absolutely. It's a human condition. That's what I'm saying. So it's, (laughs) you know, it's something to practice on a daily basis. But, you know, when you are judging yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And you got this repetitive, like, oh, I don't have what it takes. Or, 
you know, I'm better than that person. And, you know, whatever, whatever on the judgment scale, you're either kind of in comparison when you do that, you're either I'm better or I'm worse than someone instead of just being fulfilled from the inside out, knowing your own creative power. You know, if like you look at someone go, God, you know, that guy is such a jerk. He drives a Maserati. You know, I wanted to drive a Maserati. I'm better than him. You know, it's, it starts this whole um, negative exchange instead of going, God, that guy drives a Maserati. God, be, I would love to drive a Maserati. That would be cool. I wonder what that would be like. I could create that, you know, and then you get in your own possibilities in your own life instead of judging someone else for being better or less than based on what they have, based on what they say, what they don't say, what they do, what they don't do. That's freedom. Your story, Christy, reminds me of, and you might've heard this story before, a story that Bono has said between, at the time, what he talked about the aspirational United States and kind of the bigger, better, I can get more for myself attitude and the way things are in Ireland where he grew up. He talked about the person on the top of the hill and trying to describe the difference in cultures. He said in one culture in America at the time, when he said this, he said, people would look at the guy on the hill and say, you know what? Someday I can be that guy. People in Ireland where he grew up, he said, said, you know what? Someday I'm going to get that. (laughs) And I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yes, that's, that's funny. <laughs> it, it is It is so bad. But it, so let's talk about judging yourself, though, because you talk about something I think that's pretty important, which is you can't live your life like there's a do over. So you show up at the door every day and it's not about taking back the past. But how do you how do you filter all that stuff out? So it's this go forward attitude. Our minds are always thinking about the past, the present, and the future. That's how it, it just does this cycle all the time. We could be sitting here and you're thinking, oh, what am I going to eat for lunch? Or what did I have yesterday? Or we might hear a song and we start cycling back to that time. Everything is energy in the sense of when we are reminded of the past, when our mind's doing this cycle, and we feel some kind of negative charge that charge can then make us feel bad or get out of the present moment, make us feel fearful about something, make us feel fearful about the future. And it takes us out of our present moment, which the present moment is all that we have. Right. And that's where our creative power is. So what was the question? (laughs) That is fantastic. Uh, The question was, how do we kind of block that stuff out though? Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we block it out by releasing the energy of it. So there's so many things that we can do, but we, we can't like force it away. It's just when we think about it, like we might be going about our day. And if we have a memory of something or we have a thought of something that feels bad, it's being in lack. Lack always feels bad. So if you feel any time in during your day, you think about something you're projecting into your future and you're feeling afraid or you're feeling it, it, it takes us to actually listen to ourselves and slow down enough to pay attention to how we're feeling but be able to just release the energy from the past, like feel that energy. And I'm getting really high and out there, but you know, it's an energy block and it's a mindset. So first by what you do is you change the thoughts because if your thoughts continue with their momentum, they are going to create a feeling. And then that feeling becomes how you basically, you know, if you feel good or if you feel bad, if you're feeling bad in your life, you're in lack you're going to continue to create more lack. If you feel good, you're going to create abundance. And it's so funny because I was just about to say, before you said the word abundance, there's a proportion of our audience that's saying, what the hell does this have to do with money? This is everything to do with money because money's intertwined with getting your goals, being who you are. And yet on the other side, 
I want to flip this around because in your second chapter, you talk about this myth, and I love this, this myth of materialism and chasing things. Talk yes. to that for a second, because that the, the materialism, as you know, better than anybody, I'm sure, can get pretty ugly. Yeah. So, you know, there's, it, it was really interesting. There was a woman on Facebook, they were doing this thing about her closets. And I was laughing at taking a step back and watching the reactions and all the different perspectives. But this one woman has built this closet. It's 3000 square feet. Oh and it's God. like, it's insane. It's like tri-levels. And I mean, the stuff she has in the closet are these Fendi bags and these amazing shoes. And like, they're just art. I mean, they're just beautiful. So I look at that and go, wow, that's insane. That's crazy. That's, you know, she's got a bar, a champagne bar in the closet. In you know, closet. It's like, of course, because why wouldn't you? That's what she said. You're always drinking champagne when you're getting ready. Duh. I'm thinking, I, I don't drink <laughs> champagne when I'm getting ready, but okay, that sounds fun. You know, so I was like, that's a, that's just a crazy Barbie house, little girl dream, you know, kind of thing. Other people were like, oh my God, what a snob. Oh my God. You know, she's so materialistic. Oh my God. She could feed a, you know, third world country with just the first floor, you know, so there's all this judgment going on. We have to look at material things as they're things that we create, but if we're feeling bad about them or we're chasing them, trying to make them fulfill a need or an emptiness that we had, I mean, I'm an ex shopaholic. When I, when I started making money, like a lot of money, it was like, I never as a kid got to have stuff. And it was like, oh my God. And I got to buy and find dresses and, and everything. But I realized that after a while, I'm like, you know what? Another dress or another purse or another pair of shoes or none of that's going to make me feel better. It may feel good for the first five minutes, but it's like for me to feel good, I have to choose to feel good. So we as Americans think that if I just get the bigger house or if I just get more money or if I get the promotion or if I have that type of bag or if I get the guy or we're always projecting our success or our happiness, our joy, our fulfillment outside of us until we get to the, some kind of destination. And then we get there and it's like, well, that wasn't it because it's not supposed to work like that. It's supposed to be from the inside out. How do you want to feel? Because in this moment, in the present moment, that's where all your power is. And that's where you can connect with joy <clears throat> or love or success or whatever it is that you're wanting to feel in your life. It's not about the stuff. It's about you. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, here's what I want to say on the other side of that. It's not about the car or the house or anything fulfilling you, but I, the way I feel about it as I'm sitting in a basement with you is if I'm going to be live in a beautiful house, I, you know, if I'm going to live in a house, I want to live in a beautiful one. If I'm going to drive a car, I want to drive a car that I love, that I love driving. You know, if I'm going to wear a pair of shoes, I want to wear a pretty pair of shoes, but none of those things fulfill me or make me mean like I'm valuable or a good person or that I'm successful or that I'm worthy I don't make any of those things mean that anymore because I did for so long and it didn't work and, it also, and it's not working. Well, Sorry, it, it, no, that's okay. And it's, it, I'm thinking as you're talking, it's also not about what the item costs. It's about what it means to me. Like I have this coffee cup, you know, right here. That's like this run Disney coffee cup that reminds me of when I ran this marathon, <laughs> but you know, the paints, the, the stuff on the sides coming off it, but I still get this warm fuzzy and it was like a $12 <laughs> thing that makes me feel amazing. It's not about the Maserati. It's about the fact that I love that car. Yeah. And a lot of times what I talk about in another book I have coming up is it's really the desire factor. I mean, sometimes materialistic things could be a great goal to have. It was amazing because this woman I was talking about that has this huge closet, 
she showed one of her, the very first purse she ever got. And it reminds me of my first purse I ever got too, because it's like she unfolded it and she goes, this is like a small little Louis Vuitton. It's probably the least expensive that she had in her whole closet. And she goes, but I remember being 18 years old and the money and how much I had to work and how hard I worked to attain the goal to be able to buy this. And it was that drive. I mean, she's a very successful woman. And so for me, it was the same thing. I used to smoke 20 something years ago. And for me, I said, no, if I'm going to become a non-smoker, I want to have a nice purse and I want to get my first coach purse. Right. And so that was like, I had that purse forever because every time I think about it, that was the carrot at the end of the stick. But it's like, it's who I became in the process and what the meaning of that is. It's what you did to get that cup and the fun that you had. It was the journey, not the damn cup. Yeah, absolutely. The book is Quantum Success. I wanted to go over today so many more, so many more, <laughs> more things. I'll come back. And I'm, absolutely. Are you kidding me? The Quantum Success is the name of the book. It's Seven Essential Laws for a Thriving, Joyful, and Prosperous Relationship with Work and Money. Uh, where can people get it, Christy? Well, actually, I'd love to, you know, give this book to your listeners for free if they want it. They can go, yeah, they can go to quantumsuccessbook.com. I will ship it out to you. It's a $24 hardback book. All I ask is that you pick up the shipping cost so that you can really learn about the universal laws. We didn't get to touch on those in this interview, but learn about the universal laws so that you can learn how to apply them and change your thought process from lack to abundance and then see your results reflecting that. So you can go to quantumsuccessbook.com. There's actually a fast action guide to get you started while you're waiting for the book because it comes out in September. I was going to say the cool thing. I love the fact we talked about stories today. You actually have actionable tips and advice and strategies about how to get this done and how to follow those laws. And I absolutely love that. Thank and, you. and for people that are, if you're walking the dog right now, or you're on your way to or from work, We've got you covered. Head to the show notes page at stackybenjamins.com and I'll have of the link to get the book. Christy, thanks a ton for hanging out with me today. I, I really appreciate it. Well, Joe, I thank you so much for having me in your, you know, <laughs> in your place. <laughs> it's not that creepy, I promise. <laughs> Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Well, the bags are just about packed, and we're getting ready to head to the airport. But with everyone around here worked up about Orlando, I figured I'd do the smart thing and take a few hours to relax beforehand. So in the spirit of previewing the town we're visiting, I picked a classic movie, a few movies, to settle down with. I know, genius, right? Here's more genius. How about some Orlando-related trivia from the movie I'm watching? Try this out. What popular action movie series spanning the 80s and 90s actually blew up the real old Orlando City Hall building? I'll be back with your answer right after these trailers. Well, big thanks to Emperor Investments for supporting our podcast. I mentioned them earlier in the show, but let me tell you a little bit about them. Emperor Investments is this new tech-driven investment platform that's looking to shake up the investing space. And here's a cool thing. They're offering all of us, Stacky Benjamin's family, personalized all-equity portfolios fee-free for six months. Get that, fee-free for six months. Emperor's portfolios comprise some of the largest and best-known dividend-paying U.S. companies, 
Ember Investments is a lifestyle investment company. They understand investors have different goals and dreams, a new house, a dream vacation, retirement, more. And Ember's platform creates customized portfolios designed to help you meet those life goals. So different than people going out and buying individual stocks and not really having an idea just because your brother-in-law likes it, the person in the next cubicle likes it, go back a few episodes and listen to Brenna and Francis and you'll hear Emperor Investments whole platform is based on a very comprehensive, thorough strategy that I think you're going to enjoy. Emperor invests solely in individual dividend paying stocks, giving clients tailored portfolios. And to take advantage of our basement friends only offer, visit emperorinvest.com slash SB. Now it's not Emperor Investments, it's Emperor Invests dot com forward slash sb and select stacky benjamin's podcast under how did you hear about emperor during sign up that's emperorinvests.com slash sb thanks also to linkedin for supporting stacking benjamins as you know the right hire can make a huge impact on your business and that's why it's so important to find the right person we've talked about that lately a lot over on our money in the morning show about finding the right person and training them correctly. Here's the problem though, with finding the right person, where do you find them? You could try posting on the job boards, but can you really be sure that the right person sees your job? Instead, find the person who will help you grow your business with LinkedIn. It's the world's largest professional network. People already go to LinkedIn every day to grow professionally and discover job opportunities. 70% of the US workforce, they're already there. So LinkedIn jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, their interests, and even how open they are to a new opportunity like yours. That way, your job gets seen by more of the right people. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities so you can only reach them on LinkedIn. And that's why a new hire is made. Get this, a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn and businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. Head to linkedin.com slash SB and they're going to give you $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for $50 off today. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And between ordering up uh, another shipment of armpit degreaser, Joe's request for more coffee, and this here trivia segment, it's getting hard to actually relax. But I'm a team player, so here's today's trivia answer. The question was this. What popular action movie series spanning the 80s and 90s actually blew up the real old Orlando City Hall building? The answer... Producer Joel Silver paid $165,000 to Orlando to blow up Orlando's old city hall in the third installment of this classic series, Lethal Weapon. Get it right? Well, congratulate yourself by packing your bags to meet us in Orlando. That way I can high-five y'all in person. See ya! Thanks to Christy for spending some time with us. Isn't she just super inspirational, OG? I'm a big fan of 
listening to people talk who have high energy and such strong conviction of go get it done. Yes. Well, well, and I think the inner message there is it's all inside you. It's already there. Just stop complaining about all these outside influences and go get what's in there. Yes. Great, yes. great stuff. Absolutely. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG. We're going to help somebody tackle some of life's most important questions today. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they help people tackle life's most important stuff by helping you put what you value first. Uh, Space Insurance Agency. S-I-A. That's our new company. S-I-A, Inc. Space Insurance Agency. That's what we're going to call it? Incorporated. All right. There it is. Or it could be a line of new line of business for Haven. Just saying. Maybe a small finder's fee. Yeah. Haven, if you want to go into that, we'll take our little cut and get out of your way. Or it's your loved ones and your time. It's why they've created a modern way to buy quality term life insurance. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. I love what they're doing at Haven Life. By the way, people have asked us, so how much money are we talking about, OG? Listen to this. Here's an example. A 20-year, half a million dollar term life policy issued by Mass Mutual through Haven Life for a healthy 35-year-old man that started $21 a month. That's not too shabby. No, no. Fantastic. Very easy. And also, you know who pays more, by the way? Do you think men pay more for insurance or women? Well, men. Correct. Oh, thank you. <laughs> was that a quiz question? It was. Like, does that count as the trivia for Doug? No. Because that was kind of an easy one for me. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But I don't know that most people knew that, that men pay oh. more than women. So I just said a man, if you're a woman, it's the price is going to be less. If you're the same age. And, and the same health. Same benefit and same health. Yeah. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life there. Today, we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Hey, guys. My name is Michael. I had a couple quick questions. Um, my wife and I are about to have a baby, and we make about $110,000 a year combined. After all of our bills are paid, uh, we have her student loans, um, but after everything's paid, we have about $2,700 in income that we don't really know what to do with, and I was going to get your guys' advice on what I should do with it. So if you guys could just give me some advice. Also, I was going to see if I can get a free t-shirt. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Not too proud to beg, Michael. Actually, Michael found the only way to get a free t-shirt. And while Caden is always behind because we keep everybody running here in the basement, uh, t-shirts go out about once a month. Michael, you're going to score yourself a Stacky Benjamin's Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth shirt, which by the way, we've also, check this out, OG, we also have turned into a mug. Look, mm-hmm. at, that, look at that one. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Which one of us is the monkey riding the elephant? Uh, that would be Doug. Well, the, the, uh, wait a minute, there's a clown and an acrobat riding the elephant. Uh, they look like monkeys. But uh, yeah, but I, I like all I the- I can take my pick, basically. I like all the money coming down. And if people want to talk more or look more at the mug, uh, stackybedjamins.com forward slash store uh, for more on that. But let's let's help Michael. He's got some extra money at the end of the month. What are you thinking, OG? Hey, Michael. It sounds like it's uh, way better to have money at the end of the month than month at the end of the money. <laughs> <laughs> so three grand a month left over, 2700 is uh, not a bad thing. I mean, as I think about it, gosh, that's $30,000 a year. You make 110, Uncle Sam gets a little bit of that. Your lifestyle costs must be pretty in check. Nice work. So congratulations. With a child coming up pretty quickly here, boy, just some of the things that I think of diapers and daycare can easily be 1500 bucks a month. Uh, if you've got a stay-at-home spouse 
one of you are going to stay home with the baby or grandma and grandpa's going to come watch the baby, that's going to ease that a little bit. I like the idea of starting a 529 plan when the baby's born. Sounds like you've got the money there to dump three or $400 a month there. That'll be on autopilot for the rest of baby's life till college. And I'm assuming that you got everything else all squared away. Consumer debt's paid off, cash reserves nice and nice and thick. Then you're just going to go back to max out the 401k, max out your Roth, or contribute to your 401k up to the match, then max out the Roth, then go back to the 401k, then do a super Roth in the 401k, uh, or you know non-deductible contributions there. Pay off debt. I mean, there's all sorts of things I could come up with with $3,000. Send some to us. I mean, Set. think about all the coffee mugs you could buy with $2,700 a month. Really to support could. your favorite podcasters. Send everybody to Orlando to yeah. hang out with yeah. us tomorrow. That yep. would be fantastic. You yeah, know what I was thinking of, OG? Limitless. I was thinking about this in terms of like the cornerstones of a house and looking at where he's at. Because I really don't know. He didn't give us any any clue as to where he is uh, with his personal financial situation yeah. overall. So I would I would start off with that cash reserve. Uh, if he doesn't have that, build that. Then we have no idea what his goals are besides the kid, which, uh, you know. His goal is to have a kid. Yes. My goal was to make sure my kids had jobs and I wasn't supporting them. Ta-da. That was a huge money savings right there. But I don't know what the other goals are. So putting money in different buckets toward those goals. And we also don't know if he's at which ones he's ahead or behind on. So I think that's what I'd look at first is going back to Miranda's piece that we talked about in our first headline today. Where are you at in relation to all those goals? And that'll show you, I think, where you have surplus and where you have a need to fill. Kids college is need number one, and then work backward. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks for the question, Michael. We also get letters down here in the basement. And the only difference between Michael and today our letter comes from Jackson is that Michael's getting the t-shirt. That's it. Jackson writes, hey, Joe and OG, I want to hear your thoughts on how to maximize my financial situation. I recently graduated from college and accepted a job that'll pay $80,000 per year and has retirement benefits available. Nice work. I have $20,000 in a savings account earning 1.8%. I'm currently living in my parents' house, but I'm looking to move into my own apartment early next year and expect to pay about $1,700 a month in rent based on the current market. I'm contributing 5% to my company's Roth 401k that also has a 5% employer match. I'm hoping to prepare myself well for retirement while also having enough savings available for an emergency fund and possibly for purchasing a home in the next 10 years. Given my situation, do you suggest I change my Roth 401k contribution amount, invest a portion of my savings into the market, a Roth IRA or another asset, or some combination of these options and some that I haven't thought of? Thanks for your help. Love the show. Even though I haven't learned anything yet, say hi to mom for me. We'll certainly do that, Jackson. And I've got some thoughts here myself, OG, but what do you think? I think that having a big fat cash reserve for the rest of your life will be one of the greatest things that you could possibly do. And if you took all of that right now and invested it, then you'll always have that like struggle, not struggle, but that sensation of like, man, I wish that that was a little bit more. I've never met anybody that said, you know, having a fully fun cash reserve really makes me uncomfortable. So I want to keep that where it is. I don't know about the Roth versus traditional side of 401k, but I want to keep that the way it is too, because I want to take full advantage of the company match. Any additional savings? You've got this goal. You kind of said maybe a house. That sounds like a goal to me. We're going to want that to be in a brokerage account or something like that. 
And again, just begin with the end of mind. Are you thinking about a $300,000 house? You need to save $60,000 for 20%. Okay. Divide it out. That means you need to put $6,000 a year in $500 a month for the next 10 years to get there. Jackson, there's lots of good resources out there for you to look at. But as somebody who just graduated from college, there's, there's a couple things, and you didn't ask me about this, that are pointed out very well in our good friend Scott Trench's book. Scott wrote a book called Set for Life that when I gave that to my kids, when they graduated from college, they devoured it. But, but a key thing to not step in is overpaying for your housing and overpaying for your transportation costs at first. Now, I can understand that different people have different goals, but, but I'll tell you as an example, after reading that book, what my son did, he moved into a house, a really nice house with four other people. He has his own bathroom and his own sleeping area that's his part. But then he shares the rest of this beautiful house and a maid service with these other people. And because of the fact that they together are responsible for the house, he pays significantly less rent than you pay. And he now has a group of friends that he does stuff with. I saw pictures just a few months ago of them whitewater rafting. They go to baseball games together. They do all kinds of stuff. And it's cool because he moved to a new city. So I don't know if that uh, applies to you, but I, I look at that $1,700 a month in rent and uh, my own son and my daughter possibly could have went with that rent also, but we're able to find ways to make that number lower early on right out of college and save even more money. But the rest of it, I agree. I wouldn't do anything with the 20% savings account. 1.8 is fine. You look at Magnify Money right now, OG, at Magnify Money, it's not much higher than that for the top ones. So if you have a bank paying 1.8, you're definitely in the ballpark with that cash reserve. I do like investing some money outside of tax shelters when you're younger because you're going to need some flexible money that's invested that you can go to if you decide to. You said you might want to buy a house 10 years from now. You're not going to want to invade. You can invade the Roth IRA, but I don't like using it for that. Right. Um, so having money. Well, and there's a lot of stuff that can happen between 22 and 32. Yeah, good you point. know, I mean, maybe there's a rental property that you want to pick up or maybe you decide to have a family or, you know, there's all sorts of other things that could happen. And just having some money that's long-term invested, but still accessible helps a ton. Yeah. So opening an Emperor Investments account or whatever that might be, and then dripping money into that so that you've got this money in a spot where you can take it out whenever you want beyond that savings account. Uh, I think that might be might be a good idea. You know, I like this idea of maximizing tax shelters, OG, but too often I saw when I was a financial planner, I saw too many people with money in the wrong spot. It was in the wrong tax shelter. And while they had enough money, they couldn't get at it when they needed it. That was frustrating. Again, having flexibility really helps. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for the question, Jackson. If you've got a question for the show, stackybenjamins.com, you'll see at the top of the page, uh, questions for the show. Click that link and guess what? It'll show all the ways that you can interface with us. And thanks to Jackson and to Michael for hanging out with us today. Speaking of hanging out, if you need to hang out with somebody who can help you get your financial house in order, OG and his firm, they're taking clients. So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O letter G, and that'll lead you to his firm's calendar. We'll get you on the schedule and you're on your way to better money management. One month to go 
for 2018, and then we'll be scheduling for 2019. Ah. We're running out of days. So get in. Or not, but it's... Yeah, or wait for 2019. Or wait till 2019, yeah. Sure. Which is okay, too. If so, if you don't see anything in the calendar until January, I'm not trying to avoid you. Hey, busy, busy, busy. (laughs) Hey, Orlando, can't wait to see you tomorrow. Oh, that is way more exciting than anything else we've talked about all day today. It's going to be so great. uh, Hanging out in the wings, waiting for the show with Doug. Have you seen Doug's outfit? I can't see anything. I'm I'm just... This on my head. I'm just going to leave it there. Well, good. Good for you. With the, unfortunately, I don't have a bag over my head, and uh, I'm going to leave that there. But uh, thanks to Bloom and TIA for making this tour possible and for hanging out with us. Can't wait to see Chris Costello tomorrow, to see our TIA friends tomorrow, Michelle Schroeder-Gardner, Miranda Marquis. Speaking of Miranda, she's playing tambourine. Uh-huh. Uh, Andy Wang playing the guitar tomorrow from Inspired yep. Money. We got Paula Pant, Ellie Kay, and Bethany Bayless with us tomorrow. And Josh, a whole bunch of people in the audience. Josh Elledge, Wendy and Eric Nissan. And, I don't uh, even have to come to this, it sounds like. It is a star. I'm going to sit in the audience. Lineup. Oh, and lots of fun people. Paula's parents are coming to see the oh, show goodness. tomorrow. I know. The bar is high, dude. We're going to have to actually bring okay. it tomorrow. <laughs> ooh, there's a bar? Excellent. <laughs> yeah, ooh, great. Um, I'm in. Rog bar. All right, Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today? So, what did we learn today? Well, first, worried that you're not making the right money moves? Take some advice from Christy Whitman and visualize your success. It's not eye-rolling new age stuff. Science has shown that you're much more likely to reach your goals if you visualize them first. Second, worried that your investments are boring? Follow our friend Miranda Marquette's lead. Boring may be the best thing about your portfolio. Leave excitement for your dinner choices, like I do. But the big lesson? Don't show Joe and OG the shirt you're going to wear at the live show. Those guys seriously have no fashion sense. Bell bottoms are on their way back, people. In fact, they never left. Special thanks to Christy Whitman for joining us today. You'll find her book, Quantum Success, wherever books are sold and... You can find more resources from Christy at ChristyWhitman.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the after show. Bags are packed. You know what I think is funny? And you appreciate this because of like how I, my brain works. The plane is leaving in an hour. I haven't packed a thing. <laughs> I have no, no, nothing prepared. I glanced at the order of events, but it just goes to show like you and I make such a great team and have for so many years, not because either of us are, are, you know, really good at this, but I think we just use our strengths really well. And you've mentioned it before on the show about how you can't give me anything to prepare with. I'm as prepared as I'll ever be for this because I glanced at the, at the rundown. Yeah, because you've got it. You know, you yeah. have it mapped out. Like at this time, we're going to do this, and then yes. we're going to meet at this place, and we're going to say this, and then this is going to be this part about this, and this is going to last this long. And I went, yeah, cool. So show up at what time? And we're going to do what? Uh, oh, basically do a podcast. Got it. Okay. And you I'll are be- in your defense, you're never prepared because you don't work that way, but you're always on time. You're actually usually early. And I'm and time. and yeah. and when you show up, you show up like you show up mentally to stuff most of the time. Although I do confess that I have to check, you know, because I'm a quick start. I'm like, ooh, Twitter feed. It would have been funny I'll have to leave my phone in the backstage. It would have been funnier there if you had said, "What did you just say?" Something. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that happens, and I do. You know, I have to like try to be present. Yeah, but we all check but out I think sometimes. Copious amounts of bourbon tomorrow will help with just keeping me in one spot oh, because good. you're going to show up with Chris and I hammered on the main stage. I think it's a good idea. Hear me out because, cause then I can't feel my legs. So I can't go anywhere. I just have to sit in one spot <laughs> just sit and listen to us. Talk to Michelle Schroeder. I used to do, building uh, business. I used to do the, uh, dinner seminar thing. Obviously you did, you know, when you're an advisor as well. And I still do client events from time to time, but yes, but I used to do it for marketing. Sure. Come to our thing, and we'd talk about financial planning, whatever. I always had a drink before I went on stage. Just to calm your nerves? I don't know. I just, because you, you're there so early, you know, because yeah. you got to get ready and make sure the staff is ready. And yeah. you greet people as they come in. And I'm like, this is dumb. It's like six o'clock. I should be having a cocktail right now, <laughs> not talking, talking about financial. Maybe that's why I wasn't overly successful with the dinner thing. So I'm like, <laughs> not another thing. You know, let me tell you why bonds suck. Can't figure out why that could have gone better. <laughs> I used to give those too, but I was the hired gun. I was the guy that advisors would have come in and I'd do the speech. Well, you know, I should have done that, but our staff is so small. Our team is so small and, and I've kind of intentionally kept it that way, you know, to have it real much more family feel. And I talked to a lot of people who, have done it kind of that way, right? Where they go, well, I just have my staff show up and the advisors and they mingle with the crowd. I just come in, deliver the pitch and I leave. And I'm like, why? Well, yeah, but it's about like getting relationships. That's a, that's one of yeah. the first things I always tell everybody when I Being. talk to them on the phone is we got to kind of like each other, you know, <laughs> like from the get go, because if it's not a good yeah, yeah. match right here, yeah, you this can isn't, tell it's, it's tough the rest of the way. Yeah. This isn't transactional. Yeah. So I'm really excited about tomorrow and, of course, in Kansas City in a couple of weeks. And I haven't been to Kansas City in forever. I can't remember the last time I was there. It's, so, it's such a cool town. Yeah. And then Detroit. But Orlando's going to be a blast. And by the way, if you are there tomorrow and you can hang out with us after, I mean, we're, we're going to be hanging out there. Oh, yeah. We have nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Night will be a very... I, I, I kind of feel it's going to be a late night. 
We I'm will tell be. Mrs. OG not to expect any bedtime FaceTime call. No, that's gonna go. That's not what I mean. Um, <laughs> or it's or, not what you think it is. Or that's, or maybe she should expect it because you know. Or or that yeah, right. like to the word, hey baby, hey, singing by you. <laughs> All right. Before we get before we get more creepy, we we should call it. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow, Orlando. Well, stackers, this episode is over. But you know what? Your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know; it's about what you do. And partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success. Well, let me tell you: becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long-term. Considering a big home improvement project, Maybe you want to consolidate debt? Begin, stackers, with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take, and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you can borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.